So I'm not entirely sure how this message is going to come out. Um, I was telling Asif uh, before I walked up here, I was like, this is one of those messages that is like for me. And so it's close to my heart and it's something that the Lord has been speaking to me about for the last two weeks in particularly. He's been speaking to me about it for the last lot of my life, specifically the last five years of my life as I've been leading a community and a church and helping to uh, grow people in their in their walk with Jesus. So he's been speaking to me about it for a long time, but this is something that he's actually been speaking to me about intentionally for the last um, two weeks. So you guys are going to go on my journey with me today, if that is okay. So I'm not even... I'm looking at my time. I don't even, I told her, I was like, I don't even know if this thing is going to be 30 minutes. Like, this is, this is just process. So if we end in 20 minutes, then we'll just hang out. But it's a good day. Like I said, the Lord, the Lord has, my notes are all, um, our internet is better now, so I can actually look at my Google Docs. Um, the Lord has been, doing something unique in our family. And Lyle's been speaking into it for the last couple of weeks. And it's surrounding this idea of returning to the beginning, right? He talked about the Shema prayer over the last couple of weeks. For those of you um, who have been here um, you've noticed that we've been talking a lot about what is first and what is most important. What is the big priority um, in our walk with the Lord? And it's, and it's this, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So we've been on this journey of like, okay, what is the foundation of our faith? And I've been getting really, like, to be honest, really challenged, and I, I don't know, do you ever get frustrated when somebody says something to you that's true? Do you ever feel that frustration on the inside, like that holy frustration? Yep, it's like, this is true, but I, like, kind of don't like it because it's going to require me to change. And so, like, that's been my week. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to have to change. I'm going to have to grow. I'm going to have to become something that, you know, the Lord wants me to become, but it's going to take some transformation in my heart. So usually when I think about that, I'm like, okay, we're going to take a step up. We're going to, like, I don't know. I, I sometimes picture growth as, like, a ladder going upwards. Anybody else? Like, okay, one step up, one step up. But the Lord revealed to me this picture prophetically this week that, Growth is not a ladder going upwards. Growth is a bridge, like a ladder laying flat, taking you from, you know, you, where you're at, to where God's bringing you into. And so sometimes I feel really frustrated, like, man, I'm not, I'm not growing up. You know what I mean? I'm not growing taller. I feel like I'm just more in touch with my brokenness than I've ever been in touch with my brokenness before. And the Lord told me this week, yeah, that's so good. That's growth. That's so good. You acknowledge your need for me. And in all of my frustration, I found peace in that. And he brought me to this story in the Bible, which is where we're going to 
jump in this morning. And if you wouldn't mind, I like having a stand while we read scripture. I like honoring the scripture in this way, but also allowing us to be engaged with what the Lord is saying in the scripture. So we're going to jump in at Mark 10. It's going to be on the screen behind me, starting in verse 13 through 16. And it says this, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. This is truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and he placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them. Let's pray this morning. Jesus, do in us all that you want to do. Lord, we ask for your presence to be so evident this morning, God, that we would know that you are with us, that you are helping us to grow and be transformed. And God, we ask for your grace in our lives to be in the center of your will. No matter the cost, no matter the discomfort, Jesus, let us be in the center of your will this morning. I ask that you would anoint my words and that you would speak to the hearts of every person here. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen? Amen. 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 All right, you can be seated. So I read this story this week, and I think Jesus was revealing something so profound in this story. I mean, we read it a dozen times over, and we're like, yes, childlikeness. I want to be childlike. I want to be one who receives and enters the kingdom of heaven. But I don't know if I've ever personally really unpacked what it is to be childlike or what that actually is going to cost my dignity, what that's actually going to cost me to remain in a posture of dependence on Jesus. And I think he's making it incredibly clear that he does not think the same way we think, right? I'd venture to say that in the story, I would most likely be the disciples pushing people away that from Jesus that I thought were going to annoy him or thought were going to cost him his energy because let's be honest, he's Jesus, right? And I, I mean, when I read the story, I was like, man, I super identify with that, like trying to protect, you know, like, I don't, I don't know. I, I do it all the time where I'm like, Jesus, you don't really actually want to know that part of me because... That's above, you know, like I should be past that. I should be beyond that. Like you don't even want to know that. Like just trying to like self-protect Jesus from, you know, the real me. And I, I realized like Jesus does not think the same way we think. And he makes it very, very clear in this story that no, 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 no. Like actually what I admire most is the dependence of these children. They acknowledge their need and like, unless you become like them, then you're surely not going to experience all that I have for you. He values things that we so often neglect, right? He values childlikeness. He values dependence. He values a heart that remains a beginner. I was talking to our team about it on Tuesday at our staff meeting. And I, I was like, man, I, I'm coming back to this place of recognizing that I don't have to have it all figured out. 
I don't have to be an expert in anything. And that seems really freeing, but for me, it's absolutely terrifying. Because if I don't have it all figured out, like who, in my head, I'm like, who who wants to hear from me, right? Like, who wants to learn from me? Who, who am I to be qualified to lead or to serve or to do anything that's in my heart with Jesus? But the Lord keeps bringing me back to this place. No, no, no. It's all about remaining a beginner. It's all about remaining dependent. So he makes it very clear who does impress him in the story and it's not the disciples the disciples get rebuked pretty intensely in that moment and he makes it very clear that experts don't inherit the kingdom he's like you've been walking with me for some time now and you think you've got me figured out but you don't and people like you with attitudes like this don't inherit the kingdom but these kids do And he makes it so very obvious and awkward that somebody who could be walking alongside him for so many years could completely miss the heart of what he's giving, right? And I think that there's a place in my life where I've been walking with Jesus for so many years that I've neglected some of the foundations of my faith, in, in thoughts that like I'm, I should be not necessarily past them, but I should be on to something else. You know what I mean? So today I'm here to encourage you with, you know, my own journey, but encourage you that if you feel not great at being spiritual today, like you're in the right place, in the right position to be encountered by heaven and to be encountered by Jesus. And if you're like me and you've forgotten some of the foundations of faith and beginning at the beginning, then this is your opportunity to go back to the beginning and start again. It is time to begin again. And that's my title this morning, Begin Again. So... Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to begin again. It is time to begin again. So for those of you who don't know, which is most of you because I don't usually tell this story ton, I grew up um, very attached to the stage. I loved dancing. I grew up a ballerina, like all day ballet was my life. And I, for 13 years, I studied ballet so intentionally, and I loved it with the fullness of my heart. And I remember my ballet teacher, who is an amazing family friend, um, she taught me so much about going back to the basics. And for those of you who played sports, pretend like you you did ballet and just like run with me on this story, okay? I wish I had brought like um, like a ballet bar up here. I really considered asking Sean Cawthorn to make me a ballet bar just so that I could have like a visual and he would have done it. Um, because it's, this is like, the picture is everything I want to communicate today. And this is why it's like hard for me to get out like what I want to say fully, but I'm going to try just imagine it in your head. So if you played basketball like Lyle, just imagine you were a ballerina and you loved being in front of the mirror and you did plies with the best of us. And so that's where we are. Imagine we're in the middle of a dance studio 
And like I said, I had the privilege of being instructed by probably one of the kindest uh, ballet instructor, instructors in, in all of the world ever. She's just amazing. My sister knows. Like, she's just amazing and beautiful. But one of the things I remember so, so often, so I'm not a perfectionist, okay? So it might sound like that as I've like started this sermon today that, oh, I don't want to go back to the basics. I want to do it right every time. But I'm not necessarily a perfectionist, but I am like, when it comes to myself, like I want to do the, do the best I can. Like that's just, I know if I'm not the best, it doesn't freak me out. If I'm not perfect, it doesn't freak me out. But if I'm not doing my best, then I freak out, right? So that's kind of my personality. So I was super, I was super intentional with dance and I remember coming to classes so often tired or maybe I had missed a couple of weeks of class and we were doing, um, there are sections of the class where you go and you line up in a corner, all any girl who's even been five and been a dance class, you line up in a corner and you do, you know, tricks, we'll call them tricks, <laughs> across the floor, you call it across the floor. And um, I remember getting so frustrated some days because I could not hit my turns, I couldn't do um, my jumps. I was just like, I was flipping out. And every time, and I like, I would internalize a lot of my emotions, but at ballet, because I felt super safe, they would come out, I'd get really, really frustrated. And she would be able to tell, and she would just come to me, she'd rush over to me. She said, oh honey, it's okay. You just need to go back to the bar again. And the bar for ballerinas is home base, right? For sports, it's all of your fundamental drills. It's, you, don't, you don't tell your coach one day, hey, like, I'm not going to be doing those, those drills today. I think I've got it. Right, right. Like LeBron doesn't look at his coach and be like, not today, coach. I'm, you know, I'm the best of the best, you know? That's not how it works, right? That's the same thing with dance. The bar, you don't get to tell your teacher you're not doing bar today. And so, you know, I'd rush back to the bar and I would do what, you know, every dance class across the globe was doing and I'd do my plies. I'd do my plies a hundred times. You know, I'd do my releves. I'd do everything that, you know, you do at the bar. And the Lord for some reason, that story came back to me this week as I was praying through that. And the Lord told me, like, it's time to get back to the bar. It's time to get back to the bar. Nobody looks at LeBron running his drills and say, man, you must really be, be bad today. No, they're like, no, this is normal. This is what you do. You always go back to the beginning. Like every five-year-old dancer is doing the same plies that the prima ballerina is in, at NBC. Like, you know, everybody, everybody's doing the same thing, right? So there's something holy about the beginning, right? There's something so beautiful. I can throw 100 dancers in a room from five to 25, and they can all do the same bar class. And the Lord, the Lord spoke to me directly about that. And he was like, that is what it means to be a beginner. We don't neglect things because we've moved past them and then we expect ourselves to be somewhere that we're not. But the reality is, it's all moving back 
to the beginning, right? Jesus isn't saying, stay childish, right? He's not saying, hey, be immature. Like, never learn how to be kind. Never learn how to develop the fruit of the Spirit in your life. You know, just make the same mistake over and over and over and over and over again. But what he is saying is, if you make the same mistake over and over and over again, just go back to the bar. Just go back to the beginning. Like, there's no need to get worked up about being somewhere that you're not. And so today, that's my encouragement to you. It's time to begin again. It's time to begin again. How often do we find ourselves out of pride or shame, much like the disciples deciding who gets to Jesus or who doesn't, who he wants to be with and who he doesn't, who is mature enough and who isn't. We do it with ourselves too. We're like, Jesus wants to know this part of me because it's fully developed and he doesn't want to know this part of me because it's filled with shame, regret, you know, everything that I want to hide. But this is the sign of spiritual pride in our lives. It's often the thing that keeps us from seeing the very thing we want to see the real kingdom on earth. I find myself so often saying like, why am I not getting breakthrough in a certain area of my life? I keep going around the same mountain over and over and over again. And it's because I'm not, I'm not returning back to the beginning because it's being a beginner is different than embracing the beginning, right? Like there's there's, there's something about, you know, at one point I was, you know, an early Christian, right? Like I, I've told this story a couple times. I met Jesus in a profound way when I was four years old. I had an encounter with the presence of God and I've never, I've never walked away from Jesus. That's been like the joy of my life is walking with Jesus. But there was a time where I couldn't do what I'm doing right now, right? Like there was a time in my life that I wasn't able yet to share like I share now, but that doesn't mean I neglect what I did then to grow to where I am now because staying attached to the beginning is what gets you you know, down the road, right? Because it's not climbing rungs on a ladder. I grow up, it's I grow out, right? Like I'm growing because I'm building a bridge. I'm building a way for people to find Jesus. Like that's my life is this, is this bridge. I don't have to, I don't have to move past this. You know, I don't have to grow up past that. I just get to be in love and I find my center back at the proverbial bar, right? So we have two responses to spiritual pride in our lives. And by we, maybe I mean me. Okay, so just hear that. I have two responses to pride when it comes up in my life. And it's one is performance. So I perform my guts out. And it's, it's usually because I feel super afraid to fail. So I just perform and I perform and I try to like earn your affection. And I'm like, hey, like I'm good enough for you. Like I can do this. I'm amazing. Like I, you know, I've got it all figured out. You know, I'm, I'm amazing. And then what ends up happening for me inevitably is I burn out. So I just stop. I'm just like, I'm tired. I don't want to do, I don't want to do life like that anymore. And that's really because of how the human uh, spiritually is wired. You know, we can't just perform for love and affection. Our spirit gets tired and it just, it's just like, nah, like I don't want to do that anymore. So, you know, I perform and then I burn out and I just stop. So the second thing that usually happens for me is I, I actually, 
I feel defeated really easily. So I feel rejected super easily, which usually for me, and maybe for you submitting, leads to stagnation in our lives. So we build up camp around one experience that we had 10 years ago. And we're like, I can just stay here because it's safe. And I don't have to encounter any, you know, opposition that's going to help me grow. So I'm just going to stay here around this thing. And I'm, it's going to be beautiful. And then you recognize all, like for me, for me, I'm not putting this on you. For me, you know, I'm like, oh, I've got this pretty little like pond that eventually turns super ugly. And then nobody's getting fed from it. Nobody's getting refreshed from it. I'm like, why? Like I'm, you know, I'm still camped around the same idea that I was then. Like I'm still a beginner, but you know, I'm still like doing what I did then. But if it's, if it's built around your pride, if it's built around your self-security, then it's going to turn ugly really, really fast. Doing things you did before built around your pride and, you know, yourself being built up is not going to sustain you long-term. Going back to biblical basics, foundations is what will keep your river flowing in seasons of challenge and in seasons of like, I don't have this thing all figured out. This story brought me so much life because I realized for the first time in a long time that I don't actually have to have it figured all out, but I do have to remain dependent upon his presence to give me everything I need to push out everything he wants me to push out. And that's for you today too. You don't have to have it all figured out. Nobody's expecting you to perform and I'm not expecting you to perform and I'm in charge here so I can say that. I'm not expecting you to perform. I'm not expecting you to pretend like, you know, this is my spiritual life now. And when I so clearly can see, man, like your life is stagnant. Like I'm here, we're here together as this family to help push each other back to the bar. Because whether you're a first time Christian, whether you meet Jesus for the first time today, or you've been a Christian for 35, 45, 50 years, we're all doing the same plies at the bar. And we're all doing the same things in order to grow up into all that God has for us to grow up in. So this is why Jesus so aggressively addressed the pride of the disciples in the moment. He says, no, 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 you're missing it. The important thing to do is remain a beginner. Remain a beginner. The spiritually prideful don't inherit the kingdom. The experts don't inherit the kingdom. The childlike inherit the kingdom. The beginners inherit the kingdom. So to, today, it's time to begin again. I have the privilege of sitting down with so many of you and loving you and getting to know you and the more of you I will get to do that with over the years here. And I, I have heard so many stories of the performance and the burnout or the defeat and rejection, which leads to stagnation in our lives. And today is an opportunity to begin again. It's time to begin again. You don't have to have it all figured out. We don't have to be experts. We just have to remain childlike, 
dependent upon the presence of God in our lives to lead us in the direction that he has for us to go. I know it's so uncomfortable to remain a beginner. For real, for real, a beginner. Like this is the most uncomfortable thing for me to do is share this with you and say like, I don't have it all figured out, but I'm on a journey of dependence, you know, and going back to the foundations and remembering what it's like to read the Bible and be a learner. I'm remembering what it's like to pray and be a listener. You know, I'm remembering what it's like to worship and not be a performer. And there's something really weird about that. And it's really uncomfortable because if there's like anybody in the room that maybe should have it figured out, like, I don't know, maybe it should be me or Lyle. I don't don't know. But what I want... What I want to communicate above everything is this. I refuse to be an expert when Jesus has asked me to be childlike and dependent. My pride really likes to be an expert. My fear really loves for me to be an expert because I can do something in my own strength that might be like good, but being dependent gives us the opportunity to do something great with Jesus. And it gives us the opportunity to build something beautiful that looks like an actual family. I'm going to tell you right now, we can't build a family without being dependent on the presence of God because our pride and our our fear and our anxiety will get in the way and we'll just, we'll go through the motions and we'll, you know, do church, but we'll never actually be church and actually embrace those on the outside looking to come in. There's something so beautiful about knowing that all of us are doing the same thing together. We're all reading the same Bible. We're all hearing the same Holy Spirit. We're all getting the same moment of encounters in worship. That's why this experience is so important. It's our, it's our beginner. Like if, if you want to know what the proverbial ballet bar is, it's church on Sunday, right? It's coming here and it's, it's going back to the beginning, understanding that it's not, it's not because we have to you know, be elementary in the sense of like, oh, we're just like, we're silly and we're like childish and we, we go to church every single Sunday. Who does that, you know? But it's this sense of, no, actually, like, I believe that my childlikeness, my dependence on the Holy Spirit and my dependence upon Jesus in my life is in the context of all of us doing the dance together and moving through life together, understanding that nobody's above somebody else, but we're all on a journey of crossing that bridge, you know, like building that bridge really so that other people can find a good, good, good God. Kelly, you can come on up. (laughs) Something that the Lord shared with me this week was this statement. If we could inherit the kingdom through expertise, the law would have been enough and there would have been no need for Jesus. So how do we begin again? I have, I'll probably be on the slides behind me, but I have a couple of uh, thoughts on how we begin again. And the first is this, we, 
we return. We return to first love. We return to the ballet bar. We return to the team drills. We return to the fundamentals. We return to church on Sunday. We return to first love moments. I Stuff that Lyle did for me in the first, stuff that I did for Lyle in the beginning of our relationship, it happens, I mean, in our relationships, right, all the time where we forget first love. We're like, I don't actually have to do all of those things uh, that I did in the beginning because we get this revelation that love isn't what we do, right? That's true. Love isn't what we do, but doing first love Things is an expression of the overflow of love in our heart. It's not just something we do to get in the gate. It's something that we do over time that keeps our hearts tender and it keeps our hearts supple and open to the presence of God. And if Lyle only, you know, gave me flowers in the first six weeks of us dating and never decided to ever give me anything ever again, I'd be like a little bit confused, like, do you really love me? Like, are we just like playing this thing because it's like super convenient and cheap for us to like live together and we're roommates and like, that's great. No, like there's this, (laughs) right. Like, no, that sounds silly, but there's something about the presence of God that we return to in our first love. And so uh, Revelation 2 verses 2 through 5 says this, and Lyle referenced it last week. I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but they are not. And you have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this one complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. That's in the Bible, you know? That's not trying to get you to serve on a Sunday, but if you served at first, it'll work now. Because serving and giving and participating in the sacraments that Jesus has placed in front of us, which do include giving of ourselves, giving of our finances, communion together, being at church together. Like that is something that God's given to us as first love behavior that keeps us tender. So the second thing is this on how we begin again, and that's to learn. Always be open. So we return to create tenderness in our lives so that we can learn again. We must be dependent on Jesus in order to actually receive wise counsel in our lives because if we think we have it all figured out, we will reject anything that that comes our way, right? We won't take on any information in our life that we don't like feel like rosy about, right? But in the kingdom, there's something about childlikeness. You know, my son knows that I'm in charge, right? So sometimes he like says, no, mom, like I don't want to go throw that in the trash can. But then I'm like, but 
you've got to because you're living in this house and you got to go throw that in the trash can. And he's like, oh, okay, mom, like, you know, I'll throw it in the trash can. But that's because he's open to learning from me. He's open to my voice in his life. And that's actually the thing that's going to help him grow up into the kind of person that doesn't depart from the ways of God because they're open to learning. Proverbs 15, 23 says, if you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. Here's the third thing. We yearn again. We desire him above everything else. So we return to develop tenderness in our life. We learn because we're dependent on his voice to help us grow but we yearn again knowing that he's the only thing that really satisfies us. He's the only thing that turns our hearts fully upside down. He's the only thing glorious enough to leave heaven, come to earth, make himself known to us in the form of his son. There's nothing like Jesus, no one like Jesus. And it does our hearts good to remember that even when we don't feel it, our spirits yearn for him. And even when I don't feel like running the drill again, I do it anyways because I'm open to learning from my coach. And if he says that I do it, I'm open to learning from the people in my life. If they say it, I'm gonna do it. I'm open to learning from the voice of the Holy Spirit. And if he says it, I will do it. So this morning, let's stand and we're gonna close in prayer this morning because I think God's doing a unique thing in our family because Lau and I have been serving this and leading this church for the last almost or over five years. And we've always been a community of people that were just like on fire for the presence of God. And we're just like, we were like, you could define our community by yearning, right? Like we're just, oh, we're just so passionate about God. And I think that's still true about us today, but I sense prophetically that God's returning us back to first love. And some of you have forgotten and that's okay. I forgot. That's why I'm sharing with you today. I forgot. I forgot moments in my life where I don't actually have to have it all together. I don't have to be an expert because he is, and I'm fully dependent on him. And when I lean into his presence, everything else makes sense in my life. So I wanted to pray this morning over us that we would be open to the voice of the Holy Spirit again in our lives. Simply that simply that we'd be open to the voice of the Holy Spirit. So if you could, just put your hand on your chest and close your eyes this morning. This is a family moment, although it's a individual moment as well, but this is for our family because Jesus, we want to be a family open to your voice, open to your counsel, open to your guidance. Jesus, we reject prideful and arrogant mindsets. We reject expert mindsets and we embrace the mindset of a child that says I'm dependent on you and your voice to live my life in the way that you have for me to live it so God we open ourselves up we return back to our first love and even if it's just a little smidge of a turn God I know you'll take it because that's the kind of God you are so Jesus we ask for grace to return to the foundations of our faith and to begin again where we've stopped. God, we love you and we bless you. And I bless this family today.
with everything they need for the week ahead. God, I ask that you would give them breakthrough in their finances, breakthrough in their relationships, that as they return back to your voice, they would find more clarity than they've ever had. And this week would be one of harmony, clarity, and peace. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen.